Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. I'm your host, Katie Berlin, and I'm here with a good friend of mine. And I wanted to invite her to the podcast because I want her to be your friend too. Because I want to be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. This is Sanani Ratnayaka. <laughs> um, for those of you who are listening and not watching, we are actually in the same room, um, which is very exciting. Uh, Sanani and I have known each other for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And um, because you are Canadian, I am. Shout out, Canadians. Um, Because you're Canadian, a lot of us in the U.S. don't see you a lot speaking at, you know, at some of our events where we get so much exposure to certain speakers. And I just, I think that is a travesty. I think everybody should know what you're working (laughs) on and hear your stories um, because you're just doing such wonderful things in the profession. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I'm just super excited to be here. Um, So yes, like, let's get into it. Cause um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very, it's a big privilege to have you here. And um, I definitely want to get into a lot of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we get going, Mm -hmm. would you mind just giving everyone an introduction to who you are, um, what you do for a living and why you're here sitting and talking to me today? Yeah, so my name is Sanani Ratnayaka, and I'm looking at the microphone, but really, like, you're out there, so I'll tell you guys. This is our first live recording, so it's a little... We don't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, we're figuring it out as we go, so... Um, My name is Sanani Ratnayaka. I'm an RVT, and uh, I graduated in 2002. I'm from Ontario, Canada, Waterdown, Ontario, Canada, if you're from... Ooh, Canadians. Canadians. Let's talk about Canadians. Oh, we will. Um, So, uh, yeah. So I graduated in 2002. I worked in practice. The smallest I worked in, there were five of us. The largest, there were 170 of us. So I've done both ends of the spectrum. I did some dermatology referral, general practice, companion animal. um, and loved all of it. I love veterinary medicine. Um, I found my passion because I actually also kind of like people too. And I know that's weird for some people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love animals. And I also find people fascinating creatures. So um, I I like the social experiment that we are. And and so I sort of found my passion in realizing that I was actually pretty good with the communication aspects. Um, I remember working in Emerge very early in my career and having the uh, the tenured, experienced Emerge vets come to me and say, you need to go and present this estimate because it's $6,000 and I can never get them to say yes. And I honestly didn't even understand half the line items, but I knew what the clients might need to hear in order to make that decision. And so, so I ran with it and I was able to get them to agree to things and be compliant with things that really senior vets couldn't do. And I realized that there was something in that. Um, so yeah, so I have been very passionately talking about communication and leadership topics now for many years. I think the first conference I spoke at was around 2003, 2004. Wow. Um, so it it seems like that was yesterday, but it was not yesterday. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was literally like, you know, talking about team medicine from the trenches from, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my early work, everything always had this caveat of a technician's perspective or something. Cause I always felt like it wasn't good enough, like what I was doing to just be like, here's what I think and have that be standalone. So I always had this little caveat of, but it's just my idea. But 
I started, I think the first conference I spoke at, there were um, about 12 people in the room, maybe. And we were in the basement of the conference hall. It was the Saturday last spot. You know, you've made it when, you know, and uh, and now I'm lucky enough that I can fill a room. So it's been that, good. Yeah, that's progress, man. I mean, I really feel like that is a huge indicator of progress. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Just, people it, come, people sit on the floor. It's yeah, so great. You got to give it time. Not the last two years, let's be honest, but it's been really nice. So yeah, so I was lucky enough to um, be able to work in practice, also work in industry. I worked for Hills Pet Nutrition. I worked as a consultant for several years. Um, I got to work with a, an incredible team um, at Veterinary Purchasing in Ontario and support um, hundreds of independent hospitals in Ontario with different projects and, and working with their teams. And now um, I work at an organization called Vet Alliance and um, and work with independently owned hospitals right across Canada, but also corporate hospitals with Vet Strategy. And that's been tons of fun. Uh, we have an incredible team of people. So I get to do that and I still get to live my passion through my own consulting company, Motivatum Consulting, which we'll probably talk about today. Um, but yeah, and I'm lucky enough that I have, you know, a great organization that I work for that lets me do both and lets me do cool stuff like this. So it's been pretty cool. I love to hear that. I mean, you, okay. So first of all, you're really busy. I'm a little busy. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. You yes. have a lot on your plate. Yeah. Um, and I really feel like, you know, that is a theme among many of our guests that they have a lot of you know, plates in the air at the same time. And, um, that's a a learned skill for sure. Mm. But I love that you're finding ways to integrate all of your passions together. And I, I also really love hearing about employers who are cool with their team going out and doing other things and, um, you know, sort of making their way in the profession on their own, as well as for them. It's nice. It's nice to be able to like, it's all one profession. We're in yeah. it together. So anything we can do to strengthen relationships, help make people better, regardless of where they work, what they're doing, what type of work they're doing. Like this isn't just for companion animal. This could be people working in shelters, people working in lab and research. Like everyone's got a role to play. We're all in the same industry doing stuff. So it's nice to be able to reach out and connect with people like that. Right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so I, you're Canadian, I am Canadian. And I just have to say to any Canadians who may be listening, I don't know what is in the water in Canada, but all of the Canadians that I've met are amazing. Because we are, right, Canadians? Uh, we have incredible, we have incredible vet professionals in Canada. Yeah. We're very lucky. Um you know, I think there's a collaborative spirit. I, I can make lots of excuses for why we're great. We're also very polite. It's true. Um, not all equally so. Let's be honest. Right, guys? But no, honestly, like, it's just, it's nice. I think we really tend to look out for each other. Yeah. And I think that that's good. I think as a profession, we all need to get a little bit better with that as a skill. So Agreed. I will say, you know, with love to the Canadians and everybody else, we all need to look out for each other a little bit more on the floor, day to day on a busy day. But generally speaking, as people, um, Canadians are pretty awesome, and we have a whole pile of good ones. So yeah, and in vet medicine, we we're very lucky. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely true, and we should take advantage of that more, as you say. Yeah, you know? and like embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think you know one of the things in Canada 
So I'm going to especially shout out Ontario RVTs here only because I am an Ontario RVT and I'm a past president of the association and we love our, we love our, our little group up there. Uh, and I'm, I say up there because I'm not up there right now. That's we right. We call that out. That's We're true. We're sitting in a hotel room. We right? are. We are yeah. in the Westin Poinsett in Greenville, yeah. South Carolina. So this is not my bedroom. Or Snotty's bedroom. (laughs) I I really, I actually. This beautiful lamp. Yes. It would not be this neat (laughs) if it was my bedroom. So, um, yes, we are. We're here for uh, the Uncharted Conference. And um, that's why we're we're getting the chance to do this live. live. But but we have a a lot of wonderful Canadians um, that we've met and that I've met in this group. And um, I'm hoping that we'll get to see more of them uh, in the future because uh, I would never have met you guys, you know, if we hadn't had opportunities to connect this way. Our paths would have crossed. Yeah. And that would be a real shame because we all have so much to share. And regardless of international borders, you know, our issues in the profession, our strengths and our problems are so familiar. Yeah. Um, Well, there's so much that we can relate back and mm -hmm. forth. And and we all just want to be better, right? We want to be more progressive, but we also want to take care of ourselves. We need to be resilient. That shortage doesn't end at the border. We have staffing issues on both sides of the border. We have culture issues on both sides of the border. So I think it is really good to be able to share best practices and and be progressive together, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 Well, um, I'm so glad that you made your way down south to well, thanks to have you know clearly the big event was to have this chat so obviously i mean <laughs> so let's no offense andy rourke if you're listening but like hey yes katie i came here for you i yeah. don't know what i know i, I mean I know. it's convenient that there's a conference happening at this hotel but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let's dive in you know um today I really wanted to talk about something that um, I associate you with because of uh, talks that I've heard you give here um, Mm -hmm. and elsewhere, but um, you've done some work with vet teams, helping them find their why. And for anybody listening who is not familiar with it, um, Simon Sinek, who's a very popular speaker and author, um, wrote a book called Start With Why and a follow-up called Find Your Why. And he's written a bunch of other books too, and they're all good, so you should check them out. But Um, but this is sort of, I feel like it, what it's the catalyst, his books and talks, um, he's got a great Ted talk too, that sort of kickstarted the question of why do we do what we do? Um, his books talk a lot about businesses and brands, you know, uh, forming around why they do what they do, but you've talked about the why a lot mm-hmm. in, in veterinary medicine. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how that came about and also if you could share what your why is, because mm-hmm. I think that's really important to understanding who you are. For sure. So it is a really, really great like piece to look at, right? Mm-hmm. Simon Sinek has his books, which are that Katie mentioned that are amazing. But then also, if you're not a book reader or, you know, uh, you, the audiobook listener, you can watch his TED Talks. His TED Talks are also great. Yeah. Um, there's the TED Talk where he talks very specifically about starting with why. And he gets into the why, the how, the what. And, and ultimately, he talks about um, people don't care what you do. They care why you do it. Yeah. And that's the piece that really we have to think about in vet medicine. Now, what's interesting is when I started talking about the why and running team workshops, it actually wasn't because of Simon Sinek. Um, and my why is actually related to the, the logo of Motivatum Consulting. So mm-hmm. the logo of Motivatum Consulting is a bunny chasing a carrot. Um, and in my mind, as I was kind of working in practice, I always, because I 
love bunnies in case you don't know. So <laughs> bunnies are my jam. So um, I always picture people, I'm like, they have a carrot and I have to figure out what that carrot is and mm-hmm. dangle it in front of them to get them to do what I want. And so in my mind, everyone was just bunnies running around chasing their carrots, right? That would be and such a cute world. It's a great world. <laughs> you should come live in my world. And so, but it it allowed me to kind of see people differently and, and frame my questions differently and talk to them differently. And so when I started really getting into teams and team workshops and doing more of the private consulting where I was working with teams one-on-one, I, I would always find it fascinating because I'd, I'd sit down with someone, someone that was identified as a toxic team member, identified as someone that wasn't good in some way, not following the rules or getting along well with other people, whatever it was. And as we'd get talking, we inevitably would get into some kind of a personal story, something else mm-hmm. that was happening or that had happened, something that triggered how they felt about the situation. And even like right down to they don't do well with large dogs because. And I was like, but if you could just tell your team this, then everyone would have more empathy for you. We'd yeah. be able to cut you some slack. And so to be honest, when I first started doing this work with the teams, it was about what is your carrot? Mm. And I would send everyone a letter, right? And, and we'd go through this process. And it was so cool because you would see people start to actually relate to each other, right? For me, my why is actually a bunny story also. So I very early on in my career, um, or not in my career, as a as a like as a high school student, I begged and begged for so a dog. Very early, very very early in my career, uh, you know, five years ago, uh, <laughs> I was the kid that wanted wanted a dog, wanted a dog, wanted a dog. Was always told no, and then finally one year, my parents were like, "Fine, we'll get you a bunny," and like knowing nothing about pets, right? Dog would have been smart. Right. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, like, I was just going to say that. Let's was the wrong choose move. something really difficult to take care of. <laughs> and we did all the wrong things. Like we went to the pet store, looked at the big glass case of like tiny baby bunnies falling all over each other. And I picked the bunny that was sitting like in the food bowl, right? Like sitting right in it, <laughs> eating all the food, right? That and would also so, be my bunny. Right? So <laughs> I got this bunny. Uh, it spent the night in a recycling bin because we didn't, we couldn't get the cage together. Like it was like the, you know, stereotypical what not to do, get the rabbit starter kit from the pet store. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I named her Nibbles because uh, I thought that was a brilliant name. Later on in my career, realized that <laughs> not so much wasn't really the most progressive name. But anyway, so, you know, it is, it's one of those, those, those stories. And you know, we had nibbles for a few years, um, never took her to the vet, didn't understand that we should or could or anything, right? Because she was fine. She ate, she drank, pooped a lot. Right. Uh, it was great. And uh, and then one day she wasn't, right? And one day she wasn't and she had a swelling on the side of her face and and it became a thing. And for the first time we chose to go to the vet and, and you know, she actually was quite ill for a period of time and I was able to manage the situation. Um, but then I went away to university. And I left her with my mom and my brother and they were trying to manage the situation and she continued to get worse. And so, you know, at Christmas time, um, we made the decision to euthanize her. And there were so many things at that time, right? Our regular vet wasn't available. So it was a different vet that we ended up seeing that day. And we had this experience and it wasn't by no one's fault, but it wasn't the experience that I had imagined for ourselves. And it was a really hard time in our lives. And you know, who knew so much could come from this little bunny. And, and I went back to school and I was pre-med at the time. And I, you know, had always thought I'm going to be a pediatrician. Um, 
But then I found out that, like, babies have parents who talk back. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I know. Uh, I didn't realize that I actually did did like people at that time. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was kind of a, oh, for many of us, second. that comes later. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and so all of a sudden, I, I started really looking into, you know, so how do you take care of a rabbit properly? And, and how do you euthanize a rabbit in a way that is compassionate and humane and like all of these things. And of course, I went to the library at university and every book was, you know, based on the, the meat rabbit industry. It was not ideal. Yeah. And so I started looking into careers in vet med and, uh, and found myself applying to vet tech schools and like was a whole thing. But honestly, the reason that brought me into vet med was this desire to make it better for people, was Mm -hmm. desire to make it better for pet owners, to make sure that their experience was, you know, in in every way what they wanted it to be or needed it to be and things like that. So that's kind of the thing that keeps me going, right? That's that's my carrot. (laughs) Now it's just a little different in that I am so intent on still the client experience, but I don't impact the client experience every day. I'm not working with pet owners every day. My job now is to work with the team so that they can impact as many clients as possible. And I get to impact all kinds of teams and try to influence how many people. So it's just reach now, right? It's just different that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think of it as a pyramid, you know, if you reach this many vet team members who reach this many clients apiece, you know, you end up actually indirectly reaching the hope. so many more pet owners than yeah. you could if you were just seeing one person at a time in an yeah. exam room. Yeah. And I love that so much. Like, I'm sorry that your why started out because you lost nibbles. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all, I think every kid who ended up in vet med probably has a nibbles you know, everyone's their, got that, right? Yeah, like there's some background. kind of, or the nibbles that was like a stuffed toy because they were never even allowed to have the pet, yeah. right? Like yeah. everyone's got that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I do think that even though you weren't people focused at the time, like intentionally, Mm -hmm. I do find it really interesting that you gravitated right towards that, you know, I want to make this experience better. Better. Um, even from the very beginning when you were focused on taking care of the animals too. Um, and most vet techs that I know didn't start out that way, you know, like a lot of vet techs, I feel like choose that route rather than the veterinarian route because you get so much patient contact. And so it's really interesting to hear about somebody who was pre-med and then chose to go to vet tech school um, in order to impact the client experience. I was just lucky in that, you know, I I ended up volunteering in the practice where we took nibbles. Mm -hmm. And uh, shout out to her if she ever watches this, but Tammy, uh, if she's out there. You go Tammy. uh, Tammy. (laughs) Um, was an incredible RVT and made a really big impression on me and did all the things, like literally all the things and was a fully utilized technician. And had I volunteered in another hospital where the technicians weren't allowed to do certain things, Mm -hmm. maybe I would not have appreciated the scope of that role. Mm. Maybe I would have thought, well, you have to be a doctor to make a difference. You have to, but it was Tammy who we always talked to. It was Tammy who we always saw. She's the one that was always explaining stuff to us. She was nice to us all the time. And it was just like, she had this cool job, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of it too, is unfortunately, depending on where, you know, someone who's excited about vet medicine has that first experience, does their co-op, does their placement, that like, we forget how we influence people's decisions later on. Like, it's like, oh, that's the high school student. Like, we were all the high school student ones. Yeah. And so 
like that they may look at you later. You may never know, but they may have that in the back of their head where they're like, I want to be like that person when I grow up. Like we have the ability to influence people, even when they're just in the practice getting in our way as the high school student, we have to remember that. Right. Cause yeah, I could have had a totally different experience and been like, that's it. I'm going to golf. I'm going to be a vet. And you know, I don't know if I would have gotten in, but that's for another day. Um, yeah. but, I, but I could have had my sights set on that and that yeah. just wasn't what I wanted. Like I really liked the hands-on stuff mm-hmm. and I'd seen her do it. So I just assumed everyone did it that way. And it wasn't until after I graduated that I found out that it was very different practice to practice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's a, that's a common denominator with yeah. all the technicians that I've talked to for this podcast, at least yeah. where they've, they've stretched that role to so much more than you would see on paper when you're like, mm-hmm. what does a vet tech do? Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, the paper that says, what does a vet tech do would be like eight papers, mm-hmm. not one paper already, just like the number of things that you guys do, but also just the potential for how much you can affect the profession, whether it's in an exam room, one family at a time, or in a bigger way, like you're doing now. Yeah. But all of the, the, the technicians that I've talked to on this podcast, at least had a technician that they learned from or who mentored them or who they saw as an example doing that same thing. And that's why I think it's so important that we have people like you, um, and like Tasha McNerney and Mm -hmm. Alison Gottlieb, you know, they are really, you're really paving the way for other technicians to say, what else can I do with this degree? Um, and what kinds of situations can I look to find myself in, you know, where yeah. I can really make a difference. I just love that so much. So I think, inspiring. I think it's like, I think it's our responsibility now. Mm-hmm. Like when there were people doing this before us, there just weren't podcasts and there wasn't right. social media and there, right. right. Yeah. And so you couldn't do a virtual conference and zoom and have people literally from around the world hear you. Mm -hmm. I would have just been in Ontario doing my thing. And there, I'm sure everyone has, like you said, like a mentor or someone, whether or not they even meant to that influenced them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like we thank the people that came before us and then we try to do things to make other people around us better. And, and yeah, I think it's our responsibility to remind everyone, like to just be, be great. Right. And treat people like in the way that will inspire them to be better. I think that's important. Yeah. Cause later on in my career, I got bullied. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, so I know what that feels like too. I know what it feels like to be, feel like you're the worst technician in the building and things like that. And, you know, I had some not so great experiences and, and, it, you know, it, it, it could like it, it, depending on how resilient you are or what kind of person you are or what's inspiring you to be there, getting back to like our topic today. Right. Yeah. It could make you be like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And you move on, you pick a new career, you pick a new profession, and then we lose people who are really passionate, who really care. Right. So, yeah. 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 Well, very cool. I, um, so let's get back to talking about the why, because all of that is very important for why. And that's why I wanted to, I just wanted to talk about that because, um, I just, every opportunity we have to advance all the roles in vet med, we need to do it because the vets are, um, just little specks in the, (laughs) in the (laughs) spectrum of what the vet team does, you know, and the vets historically have gotten all the credit. And that is just like, we would, 
Vets are important too. Yes, and we're all important. I would have been totally useless without the rest of the team. So. Well, and that's just <laughs> yes. All technicians and support team members everywhere would like vets to remember all the times we failed them out of stuff. Just saying. Yes, I've no. had I had that text literally save me, like pick me up by the armpits and pull me out of the way of a biting dog. Like, right. Thank you, Christina. I'm remembering that. Or the time a, a vet tech actually grabbed a cat before it scratched my eyeball. Oh my gosh! Um, it was oh, so it bad. moved the contact on my eye. It was very dramatic. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So shout thing. out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, back to finding your why. Okay. Because you have done workshops with vet teams. Yeah. To um, to talk about what their whys are, yeah. and um, I'm trying to picture, you know a lot of the vet teams that I've known, like sitting in a room and all talking about their why. It's kind of, it, it's powerful and a little scary. And I'm just, you know, it's hard to picture yeah. if that hasn't been something that your team's worked on. I, um, it like gives me goosebumps to like, I'm smiling. And then I'm also like tearing up a bit. Like yeah. I can literally put myself into several different treatment areas and like rooms and reception areas where I've sat in a circle and then just watched magic happen. But it's not its not easy, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't come naturally to everybody. So um, normally what I do is I send a letter out to everyone in advance. And like, and I'm going to tell you this because I, I really do hope that people out there, hopefully someone listening to this appreciates that you can do this with your, with your team if you're a practice owner or manager, you know, but we just tell everyone, go and find an object or a photo that reminds you of why you first wanted to work with animals. What inspired you to first want to work with animals, but don't tell anyone what it is and bring it. And there's, you know, and then we just go around the circle and everyone tells their story. And it is always going to be that at first there's someone that will volunteer go, okay, I'll go. And and some of the stories are not as good as you others. You know who you are. Right? You know who you are. You know, you're like, all right, guys, I got this one for everybody. You know, I'll go first. Um, some people are really willing to talk about it. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you have to push them a little. They'll tell a story and you're like, that's not your real story. No, no, no that's the story I got. And it's like, that's the story you've got. But I think you're avoiding telling us the real story. And then they'll go quiet. And then usually something comes out, Right. There's always going to be someone that's shy. There's uh, there's always going to some, be someone that finds it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we'll we'll joke about it. I'll be like, I don't want to volunteer anybody, but I will pick the person who's not making eye contact right now. You know who you are. Yeah. Um, you can't even look at me now, and I can't come and get you. You know. So it is. It's one of those where. Um, eventually people go sometimes like someone will start crying before it's even been their turn because they're thinking about what they're going to say and so I'll say like okay Katie's going to go and we're all going to face the other way and no one's going to make eye contact with face uh, with Katie and then everyone like looks at the floor looks up at the ceiling (laughs) and then Katie goes and is like I'm not looking at anyone I'm just telling my story um it's it's pretty cool you know what happens in the room is people tell incredible stories, you know. Sometimes they show you photos of when they were little, a family pet, a grandparent's farm. They have stories of, you know, um, large animal vets who would come out to the farm and there was this relationship, right? And my granddad would chat with the vet and we'd, my grandma make tea and we'd all hang out and like, you know, and, and it looked like such a cool job. And so there are these incredible stories. But I've also heard, you know, such sad and powerful ones, you know, ones of 
parents who did or didn't want them to get into this profession, parents who passed away before they saw them, right, actually get into the profession. I don't want to share too much of some of the more sensitive stories because people will know I'm telling their story and I I want to keep that private to them. But like it, it really does like even now, like I feel it in my chest to have heard and it's a privilege, right, to be able to hear people's stories like that and have them really dig deep. Yeah. Um, people have brought stuffed toys. People have brought paw prints of pets that have passed away. Um, I often start by telling the story about nibbles, and I get into much more detail, of course. But, you know, it is, it's, it's a really powerful piece. And you start to see, literally, as people are telling their stories, you start to see walls break down a little bit. People start to see people on the team who maybe they weren't as connected to slightly differently with a different lens. It humanizes people. Yeah. Right. It's relationship. It's connection. Like we work together. Yes. We're a team. Sure. Maybe some people are just groups of people. I would argue they're not working as a team, but that's another, another podcast topic. Right. This can so only help that, can, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so like we, we need to see each other as people. It's hard to believe, but it's that time of year already. Registration for Connexity 2022 is open. AHA's annual conference will be in Nashville, Tennessee this year from September 14th through 17th, and you do not want to miss it. From workshops to games to unforgettable speakers, we're planning something for everyone on your team. So bring them all and join us for an event that will leave you energized and inspired. Learn more and register at aha.org slash Connexity. Let's create a better world together. You know, and like Simon Sinek, right? So people don't care what you do. They care why you do it. Why does each person on the team do what they do? Because frankly, some people show up and like they're in it, like with nibbles the way I'm in it. And they're so passionate about what they do and they care so deeply. And we see that that impacts every behavior, every action, every word that why impacts how they do certain things. And then there are other people who genuinely like, They love animals, but they have other priorities. And so their why is different. And that also impacts how they choose to do certain things. Mm. And so we see it play out. And it's good for us to be able to understand that of each other. Right? Yeah, absolutely. As you're talking, I'm picturing people that I've worked with that I wish I had asked them. I wish we had that format where I could have found out why not only why they're in vet med and why they chose the role they're in, but also why they might do things a certain way that I might have seen as strange or a little bit difficult. There's always a reason. Yeah. And it just never occurred to me to dig. And sometimes it's because you're not seeing something they see. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's because they don't have as much information as you. Right. So then you can say, oh, well, have you ever thought about this? Or, you know, something I've seen is this. Or the the reason I do it this way is because this is this is this for me. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so it helps both of you. And whether you both decide to continue doing it your strange ways but now have a better understanding or whether we find some kind of middle ground or at least a better appreciation for the other person. Like I think often we can be reactive and especially right now we are busy. Like I'm, I'm not saying it's not busy, but we're not making time for things that matter. Mm -hmm. 
And these things matter. Stopping and taking a moment, it matters. And not stopping and taking that moment where we think, oh, we don't have a moment to spare. It is ruining how the rest of the day plays out, the rest of the week plays out, the relationships between us, because we're actually not stopping to prioritize our relationships with people we spend more time with than people at home. Yeah. Right? That's a really so good point. That, that networking piece, that connection piece is critical to our success. If we're going to be successful as a profession, understanding who people are as people, why they do what they do, why they're here. Why do you want to be here? Why are you on this team? Like that stuff matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever met anybody who did not have a why? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, I've met people who think they don't have a why. Mm, yeah, good answer. Because, <laughs> because they think their why is supposed to be an animal answer. Mm. And they get nervous even as they hear other people. And it's like sad story after happy story after sad story after childhood pet after a misdiagnosed pet. A cat who drowns in a pool and now I know better, right? Like there's so many stories like that that I've heard. And they think their why they don't think they have a why because they don't have a story like that. Well, I never had pets growing up. Okay. Somehow along the way, you still chose this, right? And and even veterinarians, even veterinarians would say, yeah, well, I tried to get into med school and then, you know, okay, but you still could have defaulted to something else. Like, and you got to kind of push and dig. And, um, and there are people, so, you know, CSRs who join us, vet assistants who join us, who uh, were looking for a job and love pets. And so they just kind of showed up. I don't know. I love animals, I guess. I don't know. But your why doesn't have to be animal related. Your why might be your family at home now. And it's okay to want this job so that you can make money to do things for the people around you, to take care of yourself, to get things for yourself, to pay your own bills. That is totally an acceptable thing, right? Yeah. Okay. One more time for the people in the chat. (laughs) It's okay to want to make money in veterinary medicine. A hundred percent. Yeah. So let's caveat it. It is okay to want to make money. It is also really important that you show up knowing what your value is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I am frustrated right now. I, I see people asking for more and more and more. And it's not that you're not worth it. And it's, and like, <laughs> and I may get hate mail for this one, but let's see. <laughs> but like, it's not that we're not worth it. But it's also like, this is a give and take. Like you're asking someone to invest in you. Why? Are you showing up as your best self now? Are you doing the CE? Are you treating the people around you well? Are you looking for opportunities to mentor the people around? Like, make sure you've checked those boxes. Because if you can help the the business, the hospital to be successful, that's where the money comes from for us to all get paid more. Yeah. We have to work collaboratively together. Again, understand each other's whys. Bring it to the table and then elevate the whole thing so that that money is there so that we can reinvest in our people and take care of each other in that way, right? Yeah. And that kind of speaks to the clients also have a why. So understanding the client's why, Mm -hmm. right? Getting Getting to understand what it is that they want. We try to sell people on our why all the time. Like I have this perception of value talk I do. And I talk about the why. And I talk about like when we try to get someone to spay their cat. And we go over all of these incredible medical reasons. Like there are lots of medical reasons why we should spay a cat. Of course there are, right? But there's nothing like having a conversation with someone and talking about, you know, so your cat's going to start to have these sort of weird behaviors, this, this, and this. They might start to do this. They might get a little bit bitey. In the middle of the night, if you notice a little bit of, 
totally normal. Oh my God, that was really good. Nothing to worry about. You're welcome. Uh, nothing to worry about. Like, that's normal. That will pass. Watch people's faces. Mask or no mask. I promise you, they're like, so tell me about this spay thing again. So what is this? What are we doing? Right? Like, what is there? Why? No one needs this overnight. You know what I mean? Like, because if you've worked a merge, like I've worked a merge, you've worked a merge, like you get those calls. Someone's like, I think my cat is dying. She's doing this thing right now. And you go through all the check marks and you're like, oh yeah, no, that's, she's fine. Right? She is fine. She's fine. She's feeling so good right now. And so, but like, you know, overpopulation, yes, of course. Like, we don't want more kittens. I mean, like, we all want more kittens and puppies, but for all the good reasons, not for the reasons of just, we have too many. Yes, fine. But, like, that's not the, like, the client's like, yeah, but I live in an apartment. She's never going to see any other cats. Which is She's valid. Not getting, and it is. Like, yeah. my argument goes nowhere. Yeah. Right? We talk about pyometras, and it's like, they're like, okay, but that won't happen for years. Yeah. And and what percent? Like, oh, no. Like, you know, I mean, we're making the wrong arguments. It's not the things they care about. Yeah. What might they care about? What are their whys? And how? Because the argument is there. It is the right thing for the pet but we're selling them the, on the wrong things. What's their value proposition? That starts with their why, right? Yeah. And that's why we need to get to know our pet owners better as well. And it doesn't take long. Like if these are not 30-minute conversations, right? It's just us being more curious. And mm-hmm. being curious is everyone should be more curious. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> and as a profession, we are curious people. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get into vet med because you're, you know, you want the same old, same old all mm-hmm. the time. Like, we had to do so much learning and even on the job every day, you know, our CSRs may not have had to go to vet or tech school, but they have to learn so much to do that job and constantly be asking questions and finding out more. And so that curiosity, I think, is a common denominator among most of the professionals I know. Use it, using it to learn more about our clients is a really, really good It can be so powerful. Like Mm -hmm. you want to help the pet, yeah, you got to you got to understand the people. They're the ones yeah. that are going to say yes or no. We can't help the pet unless the person says yes or no. Like we got to get over that now. Like that's yeah. that's our gateway. Our gateway to helping the pet. We know all the right things to do and they won't let us do them. We have to work with the client, right? And mm-hmm. they have a why. And and it's the reason like, you know, we complain about oh the the kid at the pet store sold them the f-. it's like it's cuz they got right to why. Right. They heard them out. They heard the story. They're like I work derm referral. We we do work up for hours, days. They come, they do the thing. We put them on a plan. We have like a 12-week plan. And then they come back. They're like, so the guy at the pet store said they have this food. Food also has green peas in it. But he saw a German shepherd with an ear infection just like Casey's. And it cleared right up. And I'm like, we see ear infections. This wasn't our first ear infection. Like, apparently, we needed to state... As a dermatology referral service, we too have seen German shepherds that get ear infections in one ear chronically, and we know that this plan will support, right? Like, but we skipped all of that because we were like, well, obviously, we're they the professionals. Must know. They must know. Mm-hmm. And some kid went, oh, yeah, ear infection. Oh, I've seen it. Seen it work. This food is magical. And it has green peas, and maybe the one I recommended had green peas too or whatever the you know ingredient of the whatever is. And all of a sudden... They've made this case and they've made eye contact and listened and heard and sounded so empathetic. And the client, after spending all the money with us and believing in us, 
has said, I just wanted to come back and educate you and tell you there's this magic right. food out there. And they I'm might bring of, you a brochure. Yeah. I love it when they bring me brochures. Right? Yeah. And it's like, clearly, they did not realize that we did hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a plan. We that's didn't huge. tell the story properly. And that's where learning to tell that story really came from for me is like, and I was very lucky. I had good mentors shout out to Bernie Pouquet as well. Mm. Um, who can tell a story if anyone has met him, right? Like, but instantly like people would fall in love because he would tell a joke, tell a story, make people feel comfortable. And next thing I know we're I thought way off topic and it took four minutes, but now everything he's asking them to do, they're like, yeah, okay. Sounds like a plan. Right. And so it's one of those things where, you know, getting, getting to see people as people, mm-hmm. appreciating everyone has a why. One of the things we do, Katie, um, when we do that exercise, like we get a picture from everyone. If they've brought a picture, it's so cool too. Like, especially when vet, like older team members, right? Like the vets, the technician, like say older, it's okay. We're all old now. But like we start passing <laughs> around relative. the picture. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how old is it? Is it black and white old? Or is it like, you know, Polaroid old? Like, well, how old is it? Polaroid is new again. But like, we pass it around and we get to see people as little kids or see parts of people's lives we would never otherwise get to see. But we take all of those and we put them up on a board. Mm. And, and you know, we don't have to take the original like we can, right? But we put it, put it somewhere, not public facing. Mm-hmm. This isn't for the clients. These are our carrots. This is for when someone yells at you or has a bad day. Then you go to that board and you remember why you're here. And maybe it's a box of craft dinner because you promise yourself you'll never be broke again. (laughs) I don't care what the thing is, right? Like it's, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I got to finish this day out and rock it, right? Like it doesn't matter what it is, but all of us are here because we're we're trying to fulfill something inside of us. Mm-hmm. We are. And it's okay if it's not an animal related thing. It doesn't matter. This is just how you've chosen to live out whatever your why is, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there are teams that are not prepared to do this work that have pre-work to do before they have these discussions together? Or do you think these discussions are the pre-work? Like, do you think that every team could draw that out of each other at some point during that conversation? I think that it's a challenging question to answer because I want to say every team should be able to do this. But I know realistically, not all managers and practice owners and team leads are prepared or have that leadership style or skill set yet that lends itself well to facilitating conversation. Mm-hmm. So I guess some tips would be, because I, I would love to see everyone try a version of this, if nothing else, but I think some tips would definitely be to make sure that no one talks over top of each other, that we remind her there are some ground rules for this meeting. When one person is talking, they have the floor. And if they say, don't look at me, that's fine, but they still have the floor. And you have to listen and listen to understand, not listen to reply, right? Like really hear them and try to really connect with their story, not be giggling. And and there have been times where in passing around photos, we've fallen into a trap where now so-and-so's photo has made it to here, but this person's now started and these two start giggling because they're like, oh my God, look at the thing. So we've actually had situations where I was like, okay, we need to not pass around the photos yet. We'll do that at the end because respect is everything in this exercise. Yeah. Right, respect Even just is everything. perceived disrespect could be a problem. Exactly. Yeah. And so we want people, like, we're asking people to share a part of themselves. 
And we have to create safety for that. And I would say, you know, there are teams where maybe it's not quite safe enough. And so, yes, maybe there are some hospitals that aren't quite ready for this. But the flip side is, this might be one of the things that allows us to break down some barriers. So it needs to be something that we understand the value of it, but we take it really seriously. This isn't, isn't something you cram into a half an hour uh, that ends up being 20 minutes or an hour that ends up being 45 minutes between phone calls and people leave at different times and we go into the door and sell a bag of food. This is not that kind of exercise. This is a phone's off, no one's at the door, everyone is here, we do not exclude anybody. Mm-hmm. The Saturday evening kennel person does this too. Love that. This is everybody because we respect everybody and it takes all of us, right? It takes all of us to do it. And then the leader has to lead. They have to facilitate this one. Who's going to go next? Oh my gosh. And encourage each other and have the box of tissues. Oh my gosh. The (laughs) tissues are so important. Have the tissues ready. (laughs) Yes, because... Even the people, sometimes it's the people you don't even think would totally. ever cry, right? Because the ones that make me like this, it's people who I did not expect to have this like crazy, like some of the stories I've heard are intense mm-hmm. and they start talking and you feel it in the room. Everyone goes, wait, what? But some of them are funny. Like we mm-hmm. get fun ones. We cry till we laugh and laugh till we cry. Honestly, you know, and. Like, I remember once, this is an okay story to tell, I think, but like, I remember once a vet saying, you know, so this is my dog, Maggie. And instantly, like everyone in the room, I'm choosing a different name on purpose, but everyone in the room went, now it makes so much sense. And everyone's laughing and I'm completely missing. I was like, what's the joke? Uh, Like, what's wrong with the name Maggie kind of thing? Well, all the passwords on the computers are like, Maggie, 247. (laughs) (laughs) No one knew who Maggie was. (laughs) So it's like, now we know, right? But like, even just little things, right? Like people saying, this is my childhood dog. And all of a sudden, everyone going, that's why you like cockers so much, right? Like, it's making those little connections, just understanding each other. So it is something that I, you know, I truly believe from a culture perspective. Um, I've done this with a team where there were people on it who had worked together for 20 years, and still managed to tell stories the other people in the room had not heard. Oh, and that's, that's amazing. Quite powerful. Yeah. 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 We do get stuck talking to people that we see every day about the same things over and over and For not sure. ever digging in. Yeah. And having and then it can feel awkward to like yes. ask a personal question. So having a context where it's expected to share personal information is really powerful. Yeah, like we are carving out the time to do it. Yes. But you have to, You ha- if you don't, leaders have to show that this is something that they are committed to and believe is important. If they don't start with that and lead by example, then no one else will be bought. It's like, oh, great, now you're making us do this thing. Yeah. That's no good. And that could be leaders of the practice, like mm-hmm. a practice owner or manager, but also probably those team members who are always seen as leaders. Like there's mm. always the, Abs- yeah, the ones who... Point who, when they turn, when they say yes to something, the tide turns. They're influencers. Exactly. <laughs> That's the word. And it may not be in the new, you know, the new TikTok sense. I hear it's a trendy word now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like the, but the OG influencers. Yes. The OG influencers who just, you know, you know who they are in your clinic. It's like, yeah. if they adopt something, the team is going to come around, even if there's resistance at the beginning. And yeah. having them involved in this is, I think, can be so helpful, yeah. especially if maybe it's a little bit 
of a discussion maybe before the meeting happens. Like, it's buy-in, right? Yeah, it's exactly. It's buy-in. I mean, I think this is the thing, though. Like, this isn't something you push on the team. Yeah. You, even with this, you start with why. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, guys, do you want to try this thing that Mm -hmm. we've heard that, you know, is supposed to make us better as a team, but it might be kind of fun? We'll do it together. Like, everyone's got to pitch in on this one. Like, but let's see. Like, it could be something different. It's not a lunch and learn. We're not going to talk about protocols or COVID or curbside or any, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, we're going to do something a little different. Do you guys want to try it? Should we try it? Let's just see. Yeah. Maybe it helps us get better. What's the worst that could happen? Like, let's all just commit. They need to want it also. And we need to make sure we're explaining why we think this is so important. Mm. Starting with why on this one is very important. Yeah. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for us. Mm -hmm. I want everyone else to do this for us too. And, you know, and we have, and and telling them flat out, there's going to be ground rules for this one. We have to appreciate, like, we want you guys to really be your most authentic self. And that might be a little bit scary, even with people you've worked with for years, because we don't talk about that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? To your point, like, it's not, hey, we got a 15-minute break. Hey, maybe that's, like, three minutes in the end. It's it's not like I'm like, so tell me about that time you were five. Like, that's not what happens. (laughs) You're not on a couch here. Yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) Um, And so, but, like, I've literally had someone that brought, um, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, but, like, the painting that hung above her grandparents' couch, I think it was, of their original dairy farm, like, legit brought it in, framed wow. it all. Like, like I have seen cool things, yeah. right? I've seen cool things. And, you know, it's, it's incredible because I don't say, like, I say be creative. I say, like, you know, bring your most authentic thing. But I don't really give them much more direction than that. Mm. And then the rest, like... I remember someone brought their dog and on their dog, they put little uh, slips of paper and was the names of, I think, all the other dogs that she'd ever had. Like, there's been cool things, right? That just, it's, and some people will say that. And the, and like, so this is one of the, there are no rules. You can be loose with the rules. Some people are like, well, I don't have just one thing. I have three. Okay, fine. Right? Well, I have one thing from before, but I have a new thing now. Great. Cool. Yeah. Great. We're always changing, ever evolving. Right? Because I think we do all have that original why. Nibbles is my original why. But that girl, I'll show you. I'm going to show you a picture. I've got it here for you, Katie, because I'll show you. So anyone who's listening and not watching, you should tune into YouTube just to see it. Yeah, tune into YouTube. Show the picture. Oh, my gosh. But can you let's see. Can you see that, guys? Oh, look how cute. So that's Nibbles. And, like, that girl... That girl. This is right. It's a very cute picture of a young Sonani. Young me. Uh, even younger uh, than now. <laughs> yeah. With young. Nibbles. Um, with Nibbles. But like, you know, Nibbles was her why. And then she became a technician. But like, I'm not that girl anymore, for better or worse. I'm not that girl anymore. Yeah. So yeah, my why has evolved because I've evolved as a person, right? Mm-hmm. And now my why, ironically, is more the people. Like, it's, it's you guys, right? Like, yeah legit like it is actually the people in this profession now and and how can i influence better animal care and health care and well-being and all of those things but with the people in our profession now my why is different yeah but my original is still that bunny right yeah, yeah. it all <laughs> sure. goes back to the bunny goes back to the bunny it all goes back to whatever so, is in our past yeah. that is the bunny yeah yeah so you know i i'm 
we'll, we'll let you go here in a second. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you something because I think it's really important. It's like when we go to these conferences, right? Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has this experience. You go to the conference and you learn all these cool things and you hear all these inspiring people talk and you come back to your practice and you're like, guess what I learned? And then you have this like whole list of things that you want to do immediately and your manager or your practice owner or whoever's, you know, whoever you're like, you're, all the, the words are fountaining out to is like, okay, cool, but like, no, though, because money or time or resources, or they don't agree with it, or they don't understand the value in it. And that's natural, because we're all really stretched thin. And we all have so many things on our plates. So if you weren't there hearing the inspiring speaker yourself, maybe you don't see the value in implementing any of those changes or talking about them further. So somebody who's in that position, and hears this, this podcast, Mm -hmm. and says, I love what she's talking about. I want to do this at my practice, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, they don't think it's going to happen in the way you're describing, mm-hmm. like a meeting where the world is shut down and everybody shares. Is there a way that that person in whatever role they're in, in the practice, can kind of push a little pebble down the mountain to see if it'll start more of a landslide and maybe start a why movement? Start a Y movement. Mm-hmm. Want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> I think you are doing that. Because I, I, I like think to that's do that. what we're doing. <laughs> it has begun. Yeah. Um, y- you know, I I have been that team member that's like I Same. have an idea. Yeah. yeah. I know, well, and we've bonded over this yeah. before, right? I have mm-hmm. an idea. I know this is something that will be powerful, and then we get told no. Yeah. And so I think it is, um, yeah, the most basic starting point. Figure out what your why is. Really sit down with yourself. Write a letter to yourself. Remind yourself, like, this was my thing. And and here I am now. And how does what I do now fulfill my obligation to that original thing? Because mm. that's my test for everything. It's like, would Nibbles be proud of me? You know? Yeah. Like, would Aww. that girl, that girl in the picture, like, would she be like, oh, you did it? Or is like, come on, sucka, let's go. Like, yeah. what you got now, right? Like... It is that kind of thing where we have to always be thinking about first understanding our own why. So if you haven't done that activity for yourself, do it for yourself. Write a note to yourself. List it out. If you're not a journal person, you don't have to journal, but you can just sit and think about it. You can talk to someone else about it, even if it's someone outside of our profession, a friend or someone like that, right? Just to say, so I heard this thing. I listened to this Awesome podcast with Katie from AHA. And like, you know, it is, I made me think about this and I've been thinking about it and this is what I've come to the conclusion of and I'm excited about it. Like just verbalizing it sometimes can make us more powerful, Mm. make us more resilient, gives us a reminder. It's that kick in the pants, right? Sharing it with people on the team. The nice thing about this is this isn't, you know, if you're listening to this now, you haven't gone to a conference. This is something anyone can listen to from anywhere at any time. So maybe share it with a few people on the team to say, okay, I'm starting my own Y movement, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want you guys to listen to this and get a sense of like, do you think this is something we could do? We could do it by department. I wouldn't suggest doing it only by department and then leaving it there forever. But there are some hospitals with big teams. Mm -hmm. If you've got 12 RVTs, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, shout out to Shiloh Veterinary Hospital, I believe is over 12 CVTs. So, right? Like, so yep. if you've got all kinds of like technicians, then awesome, right? If you have a really incredible vet team and there's multiple vets, that's awesome. But like, you could do it with just that group first to connect yourselves. And maybe through that experience, everyone says, actually, that was really 
that was quite powerful. We need to let other people in on it. Mm. It loses the surprise element a little bit because right. now that smaller group has heard the whys here and now we're going to repeat it. There's some power in that first time. There's yeah. some power in the first time we say it out loud in front of other people, yeah. honestly. Yeah. When I tell that nibble story authentically with a team, I often end up in tears. There are many people who have seen me cry because they know my heart is firmly on my sleeve. And I'm not good at talking about this stuff without getting a little verklempt, right? Yeah. But there's there's power in that. And so doing it by department, you lose a little bit of that power. But sharing it with the leadership and remembering again, <laughs> great segue to what is your leadership's why? Because you mentioned before, is it money? Is it they don't want to close down the whole... like? Those are the things you need to combat. Mm. You just saying, this is a great idea because I think it's a great idea because I think our culture needs it. I think our team could work better. If they believed the culture needs fixing that badly, the team needs to be better that badly, then this would be a priority. But if that doesn't resonate for them as far as what are the priorities, then they won't make it a priority. Mm. So what is that person's priority? What is their why? If we can make the argument for, we think if we can do this for an hour, Everyone is willing to stay an hour late. If we get paid for the hour, we'll do this. We think everyone will be more productive. They'll work better together. We'll actually generate more revenue because we'll be less squabbly. We'll maybe understand the concept better. We'll listen to our clients better. They'll be more compliant. I can 100% make a case for how this will improve revenue. Mm. This will improve profitability. The stronger the team, the better the business. There's no argument like for, for, for me that doesn't land there, right? Yeah. If we have a strong team that works well together, that is all rowing in the same direction, all with different whys, all in different hows, but we're focused on those goals, we make magic. Every time, pets benefit every time, pet owners benefit every time, business, the money, it comes, yeah. right? That's how the money comes. I believe that. But it's the people. Without the people, we have nothing. I 100% believe that. So, yeah, if you're if your practice owner, if the manager, whomever, is focused on finance, then you have to make the finance case for why this matters. Mm. Right? Yeah. If they're focused on there's not enough time, if you have enough people on your team that's like, no, I'd do it. I'd take that hour because I think it's important. Cool. And say half of us are willing to even do it unpaid because we think this is actually worth doing. And can we suck it up? If it's that important to us, are we willing to do it for that hour? Because you should be. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid for your work. You should always get paid for your work. Yeah. But sometimes. But sometimes it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, and I think we've all worked for that person who, you know, you have to explain to them in terms of the bottom line. You can't quantify it. You can't say we're going to make this much more money if we do this. But it stands to reason that a a happier team, a team that understands each other better, a team that works better in sync. And as you say, isn't just a group of people, but is a team mm -hmm. that is more like gears helping each other out yeah. and pushing each other forward and lifting each other up. How can that not be more successful? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that answer so much. You know, start with yourself and see if you can get it to catch on just a little bit. But in order to get anything to catch on, including a business, um, a brand, you have to understand the why of the people you're talking to. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's super powerful. So you go find your carrot. She did not say that. <laughs> I can't decide if we should cut that or not. <laughs> Let's leave it up to different people to make that call. 
I believe that up to you, Casey. <laughs> I, think, I love it. I love anyway. it. Um, so yeah, find what motivates your boss. <laughs> and then, you know, really, really, I think this is something that can catch on in any practice. And I've seen it catch on in practices I've been in where we've had really skeptical people and start just starting the conversation, even just, you know, nudge with a nudge towards maybe this is something we could do one day um, can make a really big difference. No matter what your role is, you just have to believe that your voice is important and can start that too. Yeah. 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 Sonani, thank you. Oh my gosh, um, this has been so much fun. Yeah, I mean, you're amazing, and you have such wonderful way of turning everything into a story, which I just love. Um, but you get exposed to a lot of different stories, and I think that's something that, you know, in the trailer for this podcast, I think I alluded mm-hmm. to, is that one of the things that will move this profession forward is remembering that we each have a story and trying to use that to work together instead of to separate us. Um, and that, that I really truly believe that which is why I wanted to talk to you so badly so and I understand this is your first podcast this is my first podcast so this is the first time (laughs) that you all are you anybody is getting to hear or see Sanani on a podcast and that I'm very honored that we get to oh I I was very excited so very excited to be asked yeah Thank Thank you you. so much. And (laughs) one last thing before we go, where can people find you if they want your help, if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Okay. So, uh, great question. So, um, you know, I, like I said before, Motivatum Consulting is my consulting company. That's where I do all of my speaking engagements and things like that through through them. Um, I don't privately consult for hospitals anymore, um, because I have this cool job with Vet Alliance Global Vet. So um, if you're in Canada and you would like to work with me and my awesome shout out to all of them team, um, then become a Vet Alliance member and and like absolutely reach out to me and we can talk about it. I'm definitely not here to sell that. Like I, I would like to have that conversation for sure. But yes, then you would have access to all of us and the support that we can provide, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, but otherwise definitely if you want to follow and see where I'm speaking and what I'm doing and things like that, then you can follow. I have a Facebook page for Motivatum Consulting. It's not super active because I still trying to figure out the social media thing. I won't lie. I'm yeah, <laughs> a I little mean, bit old school, I guess. It is what like, it is. You know, you can use it is it, what different it ways. Is. Yeah. yeah. But like at least I'll always post like where I'm gonna be and stuff like that. But I I it is it is really cool for me to to know that there are some people that have been inspired by me and mm-hmm. like it's still it's quite humbling to be like even when you re- reached out about this like yeah it's really humbling so yeah like it's uh it's pretty cool but yes please please don't hesitate to to reach out I can should I, I can give you an email address and you can post it somewhere or something yeah. people can reach out for sure that's so that would be wonderful if you would be open to that we'll put all 100%. that in the show notes um for this episode um and of course you can always reach us too uh, if you want us to connect you um to one of our guests um our, our email address is always in the show notes so yeah but yeah. yeah, I love like the, the doing stuff. I don't do the consulting anymore, but doing like the, the private consulting for hospitals, but doing the workshops, running workshops, doing like the speaking stuff. I'm here for it. Like I love Wonderful. it. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Sanani, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to do this. Me too. And hopefully this live recording works out and you're all seeing us in, this, in the same room. Literally in the same room. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this has been super fun. And everybody go check out what Sanani is doing because... Please do. Um, yeah. You're making waves. And that's oh, very important. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> Verklempt. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Central Line, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.